This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. for September 9th, 2022. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. Click the box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts, it's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, joined alongside, as always, my co-host, Frank Caselow. Case, this might be, this actually might be, like, a year before you're born, but you know what the symbolism of September 9th is for my generation? Uh, is that, like, when a South Park episode aired? Pretty close. A uh, 9-9-1999 was when the Sega Dreamcast was released. Sup, Rich? Okay, so, yeah, <laughs> Rich Crates, nice to meet a fan. Uh, that is, I am seven months old when the dreamcast okay. comes out yeah it, 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 it just i as you are not the video game person amongst the two of us they try to treat it like a big thing and then the dreamcast happened but 9999 they picked like the best day ever to do but it but is the dreamcast good or bad uh whew. is sega really all good or all bad like that's the thing like sega was already in a downward spiral when the dreamcast came out because of the saturn failures so i liked it there was a lot of stuff on there i mean wwf royal rumble still has better graphics than wwe 2k21 yeah i feel like by the time i started playing video games sega was almost on its way out i mean one of the first games i played was nba 2k2 which at that time was still a sega release and then i had a uh I think the game was called like Wave Runners, and it was just like a video game of jet skis, which is awesome in hindsight. I, I wouldn't mind finding that. Are you thinking about again. Wave Race sixty four? Yes, yeah, I believe that's what it was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that game was great. I, um, but by the time I was of the the market age where I could buy games, I mean, we're talking two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and Sega's gone by that point. Yeah, it's something that I found myself like. There's a. Uh journalist who was around like during the 90s and like this and he's found another journalist and he's going through like video game history as being a journalist at those times and the big takeaway i've gotten about like sega was sega only really figured it out in the united states for like a three-year period and that was when sonic was released after that whew, not good not good at all 
I'll take that though, because I the video game market right now is very boring. And I say that as somebody who likes boring video games. I really only play sports games and I play those games offline. So I am the worst consumer possible. Games are not really made for me anymore. But there's like I have a PS5 and there's a certain sterileness to the PS5 that I don't love. I mean, I I've racked up a ton of hours and it'll be the show this year. I play, you know, the new NBA 2K releases when they come out. I'm not buying Madden this year. I liked last year's Madden, not buying Madden this year. And outside of that, there's just, there's not a ton that really grabs me. I think it's something that like, you're not alone in that. Cause I know a lot of people who are just like, well, I'll go play the updated sports games or when the new call of duty comes out, I'll pick it up or, Hey, they put out a new halo. Like it's something where I feel like that they, video gaming is more fragmented now more so than ever and i mean like you even have like people like if you go on a trip and you go on a plane case it's really just kind of fascinating to see like flying back from all out every single kid either had a tablet or a switch on the planes every single one yeah uh but by the way we have not really spoken this week and i I, I'm weirdly sl- so. I, I I was telling Mike I slid into this chair as he sent me the link. I just got home. I haven't really put a ton of thought in this episode. We will see how this goes. But I, how was your all? I know, and we're both on a time crunch. Also, this is gonna, we're going to try to make this a really fast episode. I am going to add another detour before we talk about Dragon Gate. How was your all out weekend? You know, oh, gosh. So sadly, we didn't get to hang out, which big bummer. No, like, I, di- I didn't see you, and I didn't see Rich Krejci, or the two people. I didn't see Sue Williams. Those those are the people that I like bumping into. Uh, not that I dislike running into anybody, but you were kind of the three on my list that I had circled that I was hoping I would get to see, and that did not happen. I, I was kind of reclusive this entire weekend. I, but I think that fit the vibes of the week. Like, profoundly weird vibe all-out weekend. Like, just like I was out in Hoffman Estates because – plans change especially over the summer so like it made sense for me at one point to be in hoffman states did not make sense for me last weekend i went to go see the worst uh show of my life though during the weekend was that our friends at game changer or our friends at black label pro that is our friends at game changer who are legally obligated to put on 10 shows for iwtv as terms of their settlement and it was the worst live show i've ever seen in my life Uh, that was the thing that like I obviously pick on these indies a lot. I mean what I say. I don't think they run a very good operation. And I just saw that somebody booked Shun against Space Monkey. And with all due respect to the Space Monkey, who's a Black fine label. little... Yeah, I'm, I was just irate at that. And I, and I don't have an issue with the Space Monkey. It's just that I don't want to see him wrestle Shun Skywalker when he has limited U.S. dates. But, I, you know, I spent the weekend with friends who are into Game Changer and into Black Label Pro... And I didn't feel like they were even all that positive about it. I, I <laughs> Somebody told me at one point, and I forget the wrestler's name. She was somebody that I was just introduced to this weekend. But they went, oh, so-and-so had a banger at Effie's Big Gay Brunch. And I had to stop them and go, no, no, they didn't. There was not a banger at <laughs> Effie's Big Gay Brunch. I'm sorry. I support Effie. I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. There were no bangers on that show. But even on the, on the Game Changer proper shows and Black Label Pro, I didn't feel like there was a ton of buzz about them. Yeah, so my mindset was originally, oh, I knew that there were Dragon Gate guys who their dates began before All Out Weekend. Like, we both knew that. Like yeah, that September the, 1st. September 1st was a date for a lot of people in the promotion to be free and clear for the United States. So I booked my flights thinking, hey, you know, AAW, they're responsible. Well, they later now have booked Yamato, so yes, they are. But I was like, okay, 
GCW, there's really not anyone else flying in here. You're going to want to have some draw here. No, everyone booked the Despicable Aussie Open and Despicable Dunkzilla throughout the weekend. It was awful. And then, not to get too much down this rabbit hole, I do have a show report up on this at Spears Evasions. It was awful case. It was something that... So you're legally forced to make these shows for IWTV. You have to put these shows on. You're probably not... The tickets is probably the only money you're making off of this thing. If you're forced to do 10 shows, Case, I would argue, wow, I don't really want to give away anything for these things, but this would be a great time to try some folks out, right? Like, I feel like that's what the logical uh, result would be. Yeah, I follow. That's not what happened at all. They said they did a show and tell show of which doing stuff that it's good that no no one from national TV was there because it was stuff such as a used condom versus cum rag, Matt. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, Billy Starks managing to really bust herself open within the first <laughs> minute of a match. Can and I, then okay. <laughs> yeah, I got to talk about the Billy Starks thing for a second. Okay. So my friends that I spent the weekend with were front row at that show. And the report that I got back was her head hit the post. And I'm not making fun of Billy Starks. I am going to make fun of her a hillbilly father. I'm not making fun of Billy Starks. The report that I got back was her head hit the post. She goes to the floor and starts whimpering in pain. And my friends back up like, well, surely we're going to bring the stretch out here. A doctor's going to come, whatever. And no, I guess the dad just like does a very brief check into that. All right, she she can continue. And a bunch of people had to watch a 17-year-old girl bleed all over a an indoor soccer field for the next 10 minutes or so. Yeah, it was one scary like it was an amount of blood the case that even as someone who's watched wrestling for 23 years i was like that's a lot of blood and then too it's just like really you're not going to say okay she has to go go get this like she had to go get staples for it but they kept on doing it it just was and, and, and then there was a sickening trios match that was one of the worst matches i've ever seen and then right as everett connors came out it's like well I've been here for two hours. I got my $20 worth. I think I'm out of here. And I paused for a second and I thought, let's see who he's going to face. Jimmy Lloyd came out vaping and I was gone. Oh, Just my God. Out the door. Out the door. Uh, Billy Starks is selling merch of her bloody face on it. And as somebody who frequently gets the question, oh, what does your shirt mean? Whether it's, you know, a rare wrestling T-shirt that I rare that I wear or a band T-shirt that I wear. I cannot imagine being an adult man wearing a Billy Starks bloody face t-shirt and getting the, oh, what does your shirt mean question? How could, you ex- how could you explain that to a person in any way that doesn't make you watch sound list. like a, a violent, deviant criminal? You, you're immediately put on a watch list. Oh my God, I just it, can't it, imagine. It, it's like the same thing with like a lot of like the really kind of seedy looking like women's wrestling t-shirts, watch list watch list oh yeah no it's 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 bad uh before we talk about dragon gate which obviously has been the the focus of the wrestling world this week uh, (laughs) i do i do want to talk about an underground story that i don't think a ton of people have given their thoughts on the the AEW all out uh press scrum after the show (laughs) we have we haven't talked about it and i just want to know big picture what your thoughts are on it well i'm glad that we were recording now right after i wrote all about it (laughs) uh yeah, so the way I kind of look at all of that is 
Tony Khan never really had control of his locker room, and now we're seeing case of it. Uh, the EVPs have basically just been a title since he took over control of the book. So why are they still EVPs? And Ace Steel, I'm sorry, you threw a chair. That's you're gone. Uh, and Punk, I think that we won't see Punk in AEW, but I think you'll get a nice little check with a bunch of zeros on it and a non-disparagement agreement. The Punk interview itself is one of the single funniest things that I've ever seen. The spindrifts, I mean, the bag of spindrifts. This has been a tough week for me. You know, I'm a CM Punk guy and a Young Bucks guy, and I, I'm quite fond of Kenny Omega as well. I, reading, I, I was in the car on the way back from All Out when Punk took the stand, and I was reading about all of these things that, were, that he was saying. And so to come home, to flip on YouTube, and to then see it in action... Mike, you and I, I, I'm assuming, have both watched a fair amount of avant-garde theater in our day. We're, we're two theater kids, ultimately. I, I've, I, never I've, seen... not only act, I've not only seen it, I have participated in avant-garde <laughs> film. Yes. <laughs> I've never seen a more thoroughly entertaining, compelling, and genuine performance in my entire life. That, that post-show press conference is the greatest single piece of live theater that I've ever seen. I was on the edge of my seat from start to finish. And I've said many mean things about Denise Salcedo, both on this podcast and on my Twitter account. I have to give You've credit to- You've taken the kick gloves off. <laughs> I, well, yes, because I, I think she's largely horrible. But uh, nevertheless, I have to give Denise credit. She is the one that I saw that filmed the beginning of the press conference when CM Punk asked the question, do you still do improv? And to think about how that that's how it started is the funniest. It's it's the greatest single piece of content I may have ever seen. Punk oh. angrily eating a cupcake, chugging these non-alcoholic drinks, and just going scorched earth. The only thing that would have made it better was if David Bixenspan was present in that room, because I think <laughs> Bix would have combusted into a million little pieces. Yeah, uh, tremendous and I also, content. I also think if, Bucks, if Bix was in the room, Punk might have hit him with a chair instead of Ace Steel hitting somebody with a chair. Yeah, it's just wild. And it was always going to end this way with Punk. Like, that is the thing. Like, he was always, I mean, he's a miserable person, you know. And I think, and this is the thing that kind of took me a week to kind of get to. He, he was out of wrestling for seven years. And I would argue those seven years of pro wrestling are more like 20 culturally. And I think that became the big crux there. The bummer for me is that, you know, Joe Lance is the one who always says, and he's right, he says adapt or die. And that Paul Hammond has been able to adapt for a long time. Gabe Polsky was able to adapt. You either adapt or die. And I am someone who loves those stories of Punk going into OVW in 2005, not wanting to be there, but then befriending Paul Heyman, learning all of these things about the business and making it a situation that would have worked for him, while at the same time, not exactly taking the advice of a Tony Atlas or a Johnny Ace or whoever, whatever old guy was trying to tell him what to do, CM Punk believed in, in what he was doing. I'm so disappointed that he is now the Tony Atlas in this situation and that he doesn't see that these young guys, whether they're right or not, are just in the position that he was in 15 years ago. It sucks to see that. I hate, I hate just seeing people in general succumb to that, just to the fact that everybody gets old at some point. And Punk got old, and it's a bummer. But I'm going to cherish that press conference for the rest of my life. That was the greatest thing I've ever seen. I, I, I think the thing that really set the entire press conference for me 
was Chris Jericho uh, standing up, pulling Tony Khan, and very audibly picked up by every microphone saying, hey, some shit happened. Some shit went down and walked away. Sheriff Chris Jericho. Have I, I have you soaked in my Sheriff Chris Jericho idea, Case? I, I've seen some of these takes. You know, if Tony Khan's not going to hire Loki, I think Chris Jericho is the next, next, next best option. And it's insane that I'm saying that. You no, know, think about that two years ago when Jericho was like really overweight in a disaster and a, a bore on these shows. And now it's, you know, I'm not the first person to say this, but now we're turning to Chris Jericho for stability. And that seems like a, a horrible position to be in. But let me, it seems horrible, but everyone in that locker room looks up to him. People love working with him. And he is someone that's uh, in Punk's mind has been there and done that. And did it to a bigger scale than CM Punk ever would. So, I, I go Sheriff us. Uh, uh, I do away with all the VP titles. Like, you, you, no, you can't be in a physical confrontation if you're an executive. Like, that that's not, like, me being fun, please. That's just, you can't do that. And you fire them all. Oh, or you fire them all from the positions, not from wrestling. And then you appoint Chris Jericho as Sheriff of the Locker Room. And you make Roosh as deputy, because both of them operate in two very similar ways. But the thing is, is that's, that we all know Chris Jericho, as soon as he starts talking to Roosh, will think he's the most interesting person ever, and Roosh will not care at all. You know and what? Chris Jericho will spend however long it is to try to get Roosh's approval, and this will work. That's a great point. We're going we're gonna to get a Roosh-Chris Jericho program that like you and I are going to go like, eh, it's like a two and three quarter star brawl. Like that was whatever. And then there's going to be people that are like four and a half stars match of the year. Fuck you, Okada. You think you can work? Roosh and Chris Jericho know what's up. We are Hey, destined- don't call me out like this. <laughs> we are destined for vastly differing opinions within the little bubble of Roosh and Chris Jericho matches. It's going to happen. And it's going to be great. I can't wait. Let's talk about Dragon Gate, Mike. All right, so as we said, we're going to be on a bit of a time crunch here. We're going to take big topics this week because it's it's in a way that both the uh, Osaka show from the 4th will be up on the network until the 11th, and the Corkin from yesterday started on the 8th. We'll be up there at the 15th. They, it, it just seems like something that's easier to talk about the topics here and on the show today than it is to really go through match by match. And the overwhelming topic, I mean, the biggest story coming out of this week as Dragon Gate has finished all their network shows before Dangerous Gate on the 19th is high end. We knew this was coming, but we didn't know what was coming as at Cork and Hall in a six-man tag match with high end Yamato, Benkei, and Kagatora went up against Gold Class, Naruki Doi, Kota Minora, and Minorita. Partway through the match, Minorita gets uh, Benkei to chase him. They go away for a long time. Minorita eventually comes back, and everyone's going, "What? where's Binke? But then Binke appears, uh, draped in gold, with the golden rose. He spears Yamato, throws Rita on top of him, and joins Gold Class. So now Gold Class is now back up to four members, and High End is now down to three. I thought this was a phenomenal angle. You know, I talked last week about how I really thought heading into that Osaka show, which I should note, that Osaka show did 596 fans. The Cork and Hall show did four fans shy of 1,100. Those are the best numbers they've done in those buildings this year. That is the best Osaka number two number that they have done since the start of the pandemic. And if my memory serves me correct, that actually beats 
Champion Gate Night One of 2020, which was right. I mean, it was you know days before COVID took over, but there were not any attendance restrictions in the building at that time. Uh, people were encouraged to stay home. They were encouraged to cheer quietly, but it was business as usual for the most part. So, in terms of business, a really strong weekend for Dragon Gate. And this Ben K turn, I thought, was the highlight. This was a great angle. This, you know, we knew something was coming. I assumed that Ben and Yamada would win in Osaka. They would lose the Twin Gate match, and then Ben would find a way to turn on Yamato so that these guys could go off to America and do their thing. Instead, we get Ben turning at this Corkin show after they lose in Osaka. I, to me, this was one of the more clever turns they've done. I don't remember an angle like this before where a guy changes gear mid-match and comes back and, and costs his original team the match the way Ben did here. Yeah, and it was done in a way that I think everyone, because of how things were going, we had Shun and Hio kind of court him in the weeks leading up to the uh, turn. So the natural inclination was, oh, he's going to go join his classmates. I mean, I bought in on this. I thought that heel unit, a class of 2016, would have been a next good step for Zebrats leaving the uh, Kai era. But the way they, they performed it, especially the fact that high uh, gold class remains a tweener unit, perfect. Perfect stuff. I think that he adds a lot to Gold Class, a unit that I felt like was on pretty, was in a critical state. I felt like that this is someone that you add in and it makes sense in a lot of ways. You really can't have a three person unit. Four people still kind of tight there. But I just look at this and now you can have like Doi and Ben tag teaming and well, you still have Minora and Rita around there. There's just a lot of combinations there. And it's something that I think is a good position for him given where he's at right now. And and especially as he's like exploring this uh, personality he suddenly discovered. Yeah, I was talking to somebody who was at the Osaka show and he sent a message to me and said, you know, that Ben was working the fan club stand today and that everyone was going up to him and doing his taglines with him. And then this person emphasized everyone was doing it and he was absolutely up for it. And if you've listened to the show this year, you might recall a few months ago, the fan club meet and greet during one of the Kobe Sambo Hall shows, I think this was in June, was Ben and Akuda. And I had somebody reach out to me and go, yo, there were like, there was nobody in their line. Nobody cared. Uh, ben, ben did some solo stuff in the fan club meet and greet, and it was a little more popular, but Ben and Okuda together, he was like, oh, yo, that, that died a death. That was an issue. Now, Ben all of a sudden has this personality that has caught on in a big way. And I am still in favor of just blowing up gold class and high end. And really, I don't, I, I can't rule out Ben turning on Minora and Minorita and Doi at some point and still making that class of 2016 thing happen. I think at this point it's a long shot, but I can't rule it out. But would you be in agreement with me in saying this is the most focus Ben has had since he won the Dreamgate belt three years ago? Oh, easily so. And I mean, that's even including a time where he was Triangle Gate champion. Like this is something that I did not buy fully into the full-fledged Ben push. I still don't think he's re-entering that level but this is something that he's needed basically since he turned back face in may of 2019 you know it was something that became very clear in his dreamgate run was lack of personality promo skills charisma and now he has it and you know he's still i don't think he's 30 yet i mean as long as 
you know, his situation with the concussions is he, he doesn't like have more issues with that. It, it's something that like this is needed that this gives him a little bit more life in my mind, I think. And it, I think it does, might not put him back in that main event picture, but it gets him in a position where he could comf- comfortably step up there. So Ben is 30. He turns 31 on the 19th of October. I'm still of the belief that come Gate of Destiny, the first show with cheering crowds, by the way, I don't think we mentioned that on this show, that Gate of Destiny this year will be a cheering show. I think that main event's going to be Ben versus Yoshioka, and I think it'll do a decent number, and I think Yoshioka will win, but I think it'll be a, a great match, a class of 2016 collision, because I am very much of the belief, especially after learning that Ben has caught on the way he has in Japan I think he's 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 one big win away from being right back in that main event scene. And he's with a, someone that with his character, at least for the short term, only will help him out there. Naruki Toy, with the exception of Misaki Mochizuki, considered like one of the most charismatic people in this company. He will play off that chicky, chucky, chucky thing. Like, like he will clearly like play into it. And I think that'll just help bolster his confidence and let him grow with it. And I could see him now in that position, especially with a couple of months with him doing promos with Doi and Minorita around, I think that you can get him, get him there by October. Yeah, I'm thrilled. I mean, you mentioned it just a second ago, but Ben was a Triangle Gate champion. Uh, he won the belts that Champion Gate in Osaka night one 2020 show, so right before COVID. So the timeline was a little weird anyways, but I remember being on this show two years ago and going, God, they're just not doing anything with Ben K. What's the deal with Ben K? Why is it like this? And then halfway through that rant, I was like, oh, wait, that's right. He's the Triangle Gate champion. Son of a bitch. I have to figure out a way to work myself out of this one now. Because it was just, (laughs) it was such a forgetful run. And it's not that Ben hasn't had great matches. You know, I thought, I thought his Dreamgate challenge last year was really, really good. But it was a match that leading up to it, I thought was absolutely uh, brutal. You know, the high-end versus high-end build created one of the most quiet atmospheres that I've ever seen from a Cork and Hall match when it was, I think, Ben and Kagatora against Yamato and Dragon Kid, or maybe have those partners flip. But either way, you know, th- there was a real issue with post-Dreamgate Ben and what his character was going to be. And I, through this point, you know, prior to him really catching momentum by beefing with Yamato, I had never seen the, oh, yeah, Ben Ben is going to get a few wins here. Ben could win King of Gate. You know, I, I didn't look at him on that, on that level anymore. And I, I came on the show when he was kind of middling away with Akuda in the spring and summer of this year. And I, I said, maybe we just have to accept that this is what Ben is now and that he peaked very early. And it's not that he's a bad wrestler, but it, it seems like he has maxed out his potential. And now he has added this new layer onto his presence. And I am just absolutely delighted by it. I think he is doing great work. Would you recommend people watch either the Osaka main event, him and Yamato versus Dragon Daya and Madoka Kakuta, which I, I thought was good, not great, or the high-end versus gold class angle and match from Cork and Hall? Either of those in your essential viewing list? So I put the main event uh, of Osaka at three and a half. I thought that it was cool, kind of the openings there, but it just also, like the way that they kind of worked that match, I thought was kind of interesting, but then it just kind of slowed down from there. I went three and three quarters on that uh, high-end versus gold-class match. That's one I would watch. I thought the match was a whole lot of fun, even up to the turn. And it was something that you got to see a lot of Minorita kind of get his comeuppance. It was something that, in a way, kind of like, Closed the first chapter of Gold Class and started the second one with the Ben K turn. I'd recommend that one. 
I still think we're we're in a universe right now where we're I think we're definitely going to say goodbye to natural vibes by the end of this year. I think there's a very realistic possibility that high end goes by the wayside by the end of the year, and I'm not entirely convinced that gold class is long for this world. So there's oh, how many units are in the promotion right now? Let me do a quick count here. So there's there's one, two, three, four, and then I will count uh, D Courage as one and uh m3k as one either way i think we're i think we could lose three units in the next three months and that is very exciting to think about yeah it's something that this unit shift has not really finished shifting and it's kind of exciting to see where things are because it definitely does feel that way you brought up natural vibes here and i think that's kind of the next natural like talking point here natural vibes and zebrats is exploded it is something that they have announced already a match for them for dangerous gate the whole entire card for dangerous gate is out there we'll talk about that more on tuesday but zebrats and uh, natural vibes between osaka and corkin uh, this seems like that we are headed one way or another to a disbands match so let's talk about that osaka match real quick it started off as bb hulk diamante and kai versus big boss shimizu jackie funky kame and kz and it ended in a no contest with interference from both sides. And it turned into a five-on-five impromptu Hulk, Hyo, Kai, Diamante, and Shun Skywalker against KZ, Big Boss Shimizu, uh, Jackie, Funky, Kame, Jason Lee, and UT. And I combined these segments into one match that uh, is spreadsheet material for me. I actually, I ended up going four and a quarter on this entire segment as a whole because this is... This is what I love. I mean, this is heated stuff. This is high-flying precision. This is what I think of when I think of Drangate, and I, I'm just delighted at the work that these two teams are doing with one another right now. Yeah, and especially on this Osaka show, like this was Toriumon feeling in that you had earlier on the night, there was a tag that was UT and Jason Lee versus Hio and Shun that UT got sneaky roll back in uh, and beat the 20 count after Shun gets into it on the outside with KZ and Shimizu, who were not a part of the match. So this all flowed really well. And I was three and three quarters when I combined it, so I don't slight you at all for it. But yeah, this is something that you started to get the passion and the fighting and uh, and with the precision, as you were saying here, that it, it's something that uh, when it carried over to Corkin, I was pretty elated about it. They had a... Uh, the opener really was about them there. And then the way that it's now going to be set up at Dangerous Gate, and as we set up in a way that, that we know that Dangerous Gate's not going to be it, especially with Shun Skywalker out of the country, I guess the question is, the, the, that I've seen thrown around case, I want to ask you, do you think they bring the cage out for this feud? Saito said that he is waiting for the right feud to bring it out and hope to bring it out this year. Is Zebrats and Natural Vibes on the path to have that? So this is where I have to answer an unanswerable question of is Dragon Gate going to stay the course and there just happens to be cheering at this Osaka show, uh, Gate of Destiny, or do I believe that they're going to spruce it up a little bit? Now, help me out. Help me fill in the gaps here. 2020, there was no dead or alive, but they did a cage match at Dangerous Gate. Correct. 20, 2021, was there a cage match? Yes, that was the Upper House and Crayblay, uh, SPK oh, and Dragon right. Kid versus Kai and Yamato, where SPK lost his hair. I'd like to rewatch that. I remember liking that. And, okay. Um, and then there was no cage this year. So they've got an opportunity to do it. They've done cage matches or a cage match in Osaka before. 
I am. I think Vibes versus Zebrats is warranted doing a uh, a dead or alive uh, unit disbands match. I'm all for that. I think that'd be great. It, it's just something that the way they have set it up for this. So they set up this match at Dangerous Gate after the opener in Cork, and and they don't set really a stipulation, but they name the sides because of you know uh, Kung Fu Masters will be in play. There's no Shun, so it's making up what they have left to do this uh, trios match. And it can't be it. Like, I can't imagine like this, especially without Shun being around. So my logic is that this is going to be a stopping point towards the ultimate conclusion down the line by the end of the year, having a disbands match. It's been a while since we've had a disbands match. The last one was Final Gate 2020. A pretty good match, if you ask me. Yeah, some would say a five-star match. So, some would say, yeah, this is, you know, if it doesn't happen at Gate of Destiny, obviously any unit disbands match is big enough to to fill a cork and hall as a worthy main event. And I think you do that in November, you know, you do that in December, you can you can maybe hold off. I mean, by, by all accounts, SB Kento is due to return to Japan in the first quarter of 2023. Now, that is unless he becomes a AAA superstar with Takuma Fujiwara, which which could very easily happen. Uh, you know, I have no doubt that SB Kento is going to crush it in Mexico. Uh, as we're recording this, he's hours away from making his American debut. I think but I think that's going to go very well for him. But I am assuming they will have Zebrats disband. Well, actually, I, I, I think they can get away with Zebrats disbanding without sp kento there do you think they have to wait for him to get back or can they pull the plug while he's away because that could be used for the story i don't think zebrats will lose it to spans match oh I that's think true. That, what am i yes you're, no you're, you're right what, what am i thinking yeah uh new listeners uh heal units are whatever and two into spans matches across dragon gate and that two is really a one so yeah i i i think that sbk is not as central of a figure enough to hold off for this. I think Shun is. Shun, you can't do this without Shun. But I think SPK, I mean, hey, he's facing Davey Richards next weekend. Who knows what Shun's guy, uh, what SPK we could be getting back. The world of MLW never stops, and I am absolutely delighted that SP Kento versus Shun Sky or uh, SP Kento versus Davey Richards is a match that's happening. Uh, I did you know how frustrated I am about this case? Why are you frustrated? Because we will never see it because I still haven't seen La Estrella's match from MLW from like June. I don't think that's aired on TV yet. The one time that Dragon Gate wrestlers will be within driving distance of me, I will be out of town and actually in good matchups. Actually, like SBK versus Davey Richards for the uh, national weight, then that whatever, one of their dumb titles. That's the kind of match that SBK needs to be having on this excursion. Uh, My- Myron Reed versus Shun Skywalker. I mean, that's someone that Shun can base for and make look like a million bucks. And look, sadly, I mean, I'm not going to be in attendance for that. As somebody that has reached out to a certain number of U.S. indie companies, Myron Reed versus Shun Skywalker was a match that I pitched. I, it was not a match that I pitched to MLW, <laughs> but I, I gave some people a list of guys that I would have wrestle Shun, and Myron Reed was on the list. I think that'll be a really good match as well. Yeah, no, that'll be really solid as well. Um, do you have any other thoughts about Zebrats and Natural Vibes? It seems like that they are in the building point here, and it's been really hot. I've, I, I'm totally on board with this uh, unit feud here, at least for me. The thing that that I think is worth noting as I bump my microphone, I'm so sorry to headphones wearers. I hope that wasn't a giant noise, but the thing that I think is worth noting is. In the same way that last year, you know, we raved about Red versus Masquerade and the chemistry that those two units had with one another. Zebrats versus Natural Vibes has carried that torch this year. And for the first half of the year, 
they were very athletic, very fast paced, you know, relatively intense multi-man matches. The great thing over the last month, ever since Shun Skywalker has really ramped up his aggression towards vibes and his ideology that natural vibes must come to an end is that these matches are being worked with far more aggression that they used to have. These are, these are teams wrestling like their units are about to be on the line. And I really like that. So if you're burnout on these, on these listings, if you're burnout on these names, wrestling one another, give some of these matches a look. I thought the cork and opener was very good. I went three and three quarters on it. Uh, and obviously I love the Osaka stuff. So, so give this a watch, even if you're burnout on it. Absolutely. Support for Open the Voice Gate comes to us from HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. In case, do you have a packed schedule this fall? I am booked. My mother was on the phone with me last week, and she said, is there a good weekend in September that I can come up and see you? And on the phone with my mother, I said, no, there's not. Well, the great thing about HelloFresh is if you have this packed schedule, HelloFresh has your meals covered with weekly selections of 30 recipes and 70 convenience items, all delivered straight to your door. It is almost fall here, okay? There's some, I like fall flavors. You know, you can enjoy the freshest fall flavors with HelloFresh. With ripe, just-picked produce that travels from the farm to your door in less than a week. Fresh, fresh produce. I mean, I'm a gourd guy, case. So I'm, oh, I'm, if I don't like Spears, that is a gourd guy. I'm a gourd guy, so I'm excited to see all of the various zucchinis and, you know, squashes and pumpkin stuff we could see. But the thing that's got my eye this week, Case, on this menu is the scrambled egg sandos with uh, gouda, sweet potato rounds, and arugula salad. Hey, sometimes you want to find a way to eat your scrambled eggs. And I'll tell you, like, gouda, gouda might be one of my top two cheeses. It's like that and... Uh, I, I do like buffer, buffalo mozzarella, but th- this is right up my speed, and it's a fresh new recipe from HelloFresh. What are you looking at this this week, Case? You know, I'm dating again, Mike, and so oh, I'm, looking, I'm looking all over this menu. Uh, I was, uh, was on a picnic with a woman a few nights ago. I missed AEW Dynamite because a, uh, a very nice lady wanted to take me on a picnic, and I, I'm, I'm not much for eating on the ground. I'm not much for eating outside. I am one. You're not a farm animal. No, no. I, I, you know what, you know what kind of meal I like? One with a table and a chair. Novel concept, I know, but I, I, I am a man above all else. That's a little tight for cash right now, and so I need cost efficient meals. I need something like the epic beef nacho mac and cheese that I can have delivered to my doorstep, and not only can I bring it on a picnic and have a lovely, healthy meal with a woman that I quite enjoy. We can also make it in my GD apartment. So it is a double date with two people. We are cooking, we are feasting, and it is all thanks to our friends at HelloFresh. I just noticed that they had these sesame soy beef bowls, and I just like look at that, and I'm like, all right, you've got nearly every flavor I like in this thing. We've got, we, we got good rice, we've got sriracha, sesame soy. That is my thing. Under 20 minutes. Quick prep, easy I just love the fact that when I look at HelloFresh, they tell me immediately, this is what you're dealing with. It's going to be quick. It's going to be easy, and you'll get it done real quick. And with HelloFresh, not only do you get the opportunity to do that, if you use our promo code with HelloFresh and go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 
and use code VOW16 for 16 free meals and set across seven box, you'll get three free gifts. So that is HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and code VOW16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. You're a gourd guy and a soy boy. Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, dude, I'm 36 now. I got to like be careful. I've actually started caring about dietary fiber for the first time in my life. Yeah, that I I I could certainly care about my diet more. I I'm I'm definitely missing an opportunity by not caring about what I eat more, but you know, I drink a Pepsi at 6:15 in the morning every day and that is just how the day gets started. You know, sometimes you just got to go with it. Uh my favorite thing from this week case was we finally had fathers and sons teaming up. Masaki Mochizuki and Mochizuki Jr. finally had their face off against Ishin Ohashi and Ishin Riki. And out of that, we have another thing coming out of Swift Dangerous Gate as Don Fuji will be joining the Ahashis. It in the in the angle he he posed as the the younger sister of Ataka Huzumi, but they have announced it is Don Fuji at at Dangerous Gate. But let's talk about this the the storyline paying off with Ishinahashi getting his first ever direct pinfall less than one year after his debut, and it's against Misaki Mochizuki. I love this match. This was my favorite thing of the week. Phenomenal. I I came on here last month, and I was very concerned that you weren't going to be as into this match as I was. And luckily, you matched my enthusiasm and just thinking that doing Misaki Mochizuki. And Mochizuki Jr. versus Ishinihashi and his father, Ishin Riki. That just by itself was a very cool match. And I, for as much as I love the youthfulness of Dragon Gate and the way that they push forward, I just, I don't care about that in context like this. I just thought this was such a cool idea and I'm so glad that this company was able to do it. And then for them to come out here and for this match to actually be very good before we get to Ishinihashi, I, I can't believe Ishin Riki moved around as well as he did. He ruled. I loved. I loved Ishinriki. Like, like sincerely. Like the the sumo slaps and everything like this. So yeah, he's sixty one years old, but he moved pretty good, and he was imposing, and he looked cool as hell. Like, what else he, do I he want is from in old better wrestler? shape. Ishin at sixty one years old is in better shape than most North American wrestlers, either TV or otherwise. Tony Khan, listen to us. We're going to talk to Ishinriki, but we're going to start the O fifty division. And you're going to bring him in here because I want to see Ishinariki versus Billy Gunn. Oh my God! Oh boy, I, I, you know, I, I enjoy. I, I'm the, not speaking I, for I, you look, there. I, look, I'm not I, speaking for the, you here's there. The, here's the thing: I enjoy the acclaimed. Nice act. I feel like I, I don't know. The, I did not enjoy their match with Swerve and Keith Lee at All Out. I just, I didn't think it was that good of a match. And then the, the oh, did you guys think about calling an audible? Like, no, I. I, I'm I'm happy with the decision they made. Maybe I'm out to launch, but I I was okay with everything that happened there. I didn't think that was a very good match. But Ishinriki and Ishinihashi versus the Mochizukis. Oh, this was this was just so much fun. I'm just so glad this match happened. I think this is a cool match to happen in the history of pro wrestling. I just think this is a very neat concept. And the fact that you know I knew obviously you know it's not like Masaki Mochizuki has bad matches. Mochizuki Jr. has been blowing me away, especially his work specifically with Ishinihashi, who is now one year into his career, rather just a few weeks shy, and was good when he came in, was pretty consistent throughout the spring, and then as soon as his brother announced his retirement, 
Ishin really kicked it into overdrive and made sure that he was not forgotten about and that he could stand alone as a singles competitor. And I think he's done a brilliant job of that. And it was so satisfying seeing him get a win over not Mochizuki Jr., which I think is relevant to mention. They are holding off on that eventual victory. But to get a victory over Masaki Mochizuki, this whole thing prior to Don Fuji coming out in a dress, which we can discuss in a minute, this whole thing was so incredibly satisfying. Yeah, and it's something that, like, all the flowers to Ishinariki. I mean, he's someone who's retiring in a month, hasn't really wrestled consistently since the end of WAR, but he he was not embarrassing in this whatsoever. He was a lot of fun. Ishin was the star here. Ishin, at every moment, just kind of command the presence of the ring, and that's considering that who he's in the ring with here, and it's something that, as someone who was a little bit more partial towards him over his brother, it was so satisfying to see him do that sidewalk Russian like sweep into a pinfall and be like, all right, the monkey's off his back here. And it was so satisfying. And they did save that. They did save the direct fall. And now that's up at stake at Dangerous Gate. And that's something really, really mm-hmm. interesting to see. Like, could you see a world that Ishan Ricky might be Triangle Gate champion two weeks before he retires? Because I can I, I can't get that thought out of my mind. I might actually do that. And that's why I don't book no. this company. I, I think Ishin Ricky is taking a, a psycho high kick to the head and then Mochizuki Jr. is pinning him and that will be the last we see of him, which is all we need. I think anything more than these two matches is a mistake. He's not a regular wrestler. He doesn't need to be a regular wrestler. He needs to come in. He did a great job in this tag match. He needs to pick his spot to this Triangle Gate match, bow to the crowd, and be gone. If he does that, I am, I am going to think back lovingly on this angle for many years to come. Anything more, any, him beating M3K... I I would say that is a disgrace. I think that would not be as bad as Muto over at, like a Kiyomiya per se, but Ishin Ricky winning, I would have a huge issue with. I guess I I I mean you're right. You're absolutely right here. Maybe I just whenever I see an old man just like do a sumo chop to another old man's chest, and the other and the person who takes it acts like it's death. I I, I get my, my my brain goes. You know, my, my heart goes to flutter a little bit there. It's a wonderful What's, spot. If you were a wrestler, I would imagine you would wrestle like sixty one year old Ishan Ricky. Oh, I mean, I would have wearing bright pink and dark blue, like great look. I mean, tan is like. The most hand wrestler I've seen in the last just, year. Just uh, like WrestleMania level tan. Hey, the, this might, he had to start getting the base going with, uh, with his retirement match coming up case. You know, I mean, do you, you, you want to test it out underneath the bright lights of Corkin just to make sure. Yeah, it was really, it was really phenomenal stuff. Let me ask you, because if my memory serves me correct, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame, or not Hall of Fame rather, but the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Rookie of the Year, the opposite side of the spectrum, that voting is from September through September. So obviously the Ahashis were eligible this year and we would have just passed the point where their eligibility period ended. Ishinihashi versus Takuma Fujiwara and we'll make this a triple threat and throw in Mochizuki Jr. Give me your power rankings on these guys in terms of Observer Rookie of the Year one year into their careers. So using and using the criteria and putting myself in the, in the mind of the electorate. I think you would have to go Fujiwara, Mochizuki Jr., Ahashi. Okay, I'm stunned by that because Ishin Ahashi's your boy. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking about, like, personally, my, my personal thing would be Fujiwara, Ishin, then, then Jr. But I'm just thinking, like, thinking about it, people will see Mochizuki there. They'll be like, oh, that's that Dragon Gate guy. That must be his son. And I think that's a more of a leg up than 
being the son of a the world the smallest secretary sumo wrestler in history and WAR scummer, you know? You realize that Jake Paul is going to get more rookie of the year votes than Takuma Fujiwara, right? Yeah, but I mean, I think that I, I'm well on the record on what I think for people who vote for that kind of stuff deserve to get happen to them. I'm glad we're on the same page about. I, I'm glad we're on the same page about <laughs> Fujiwara still being number one. I'm going to cut you off there and save you some trouble. I, I, yes, for as good as Ishinihashi has been over the last few months in particular, I still don't really think he touches what Takuma Fujiwara did in January, February, uh, March, April, and May of this year. And plus, I, I. Although he hasn't had a great match in Mexico, I think he has been a delight in all of the footage that I've seen. So it's for me, it's Fujiwara, Ihashi, Mochizuki Jr. Like I like I said, you know, two weeks ago, the fact is Drangit has realistically four legitimate rookie of the year contenders with Minorita, with obviously Fujiwara, Mochizuki Jr., and Ishinihashi, and that should be celebrated. That is phenomenal stuff. Yeah, no, it, it's something that this is a such a great time you know and it's something that i'm glad that this got the semi-main event and i'm glad that like they put the trust in these two guys i mean yeah mochizuki was there yeah ishinriki was there but you're talking about two guys who have combined just over like 15 months of experience <laughs> semi-main eventing here and now being thrust there it's, it's been super super exciting to see and then there was that post-match case that you wanted to talk about well and, and i should know you know this was the only thing that was announced for this show now obviously it's I, i'm not saying that ishinihashi and mochizuki jr alone drew 1100 people to this building but it was the one thing that was announced and this show did not bomb and i think that is very telling for the future of dragon gate that these guys are going to be okay lead us through the post-match angle please mike so afterwards, there was a lot of crap talk leading up until uh, Mo uh, Ishinahashi said, well, you're a Triangle Gate champion, and I pinned you, so I get to claim the next title match. And they said, oh, well, you have your father. Who else are you going to team with? And he's like, oh, well, uh, and then Mochizuki made comments about uh, th his mother, uh, Ataka Huzomi, uh, Juliana, who uh hozumi i think it was her lpw gimmick she came down to the ring and very charmingly said well mr mochizuki uh i think that if this happens yeah your wife needs a wrestle and mochizuki very sheepishly said well you're a former wrestler and she's a civilian so i don't think that would be fair and then uh hozumi said oh no i'm not gonna wrestle without that happening so instead, uh, actually, my younger sister is a pro wrestler, and she will wrestle as well. And out came Don Fuji dressed up in the Juliana Hozumi getup, and will be teaming with her nephew and brother-in-law at Dangerous Gate. Again, I would like to state that when they announced the full card, it's not as, I think it was Juliana Fujiko. It is as Don Fuji, so it's fair to assume that this was just a bit for this angle. Mike, this is a famously not horny show. Absolutely but, not. But Mrs. Ihashi? Okay. Okay, did not see that coming. Oh, what, what, what a lady. It's an attractive family. I assume that the genes weren't just from uh, Ishinriki, you know? My goodness, I was just, I, I was not expecting that. That's really, really quite the looker. Seems like a very, very nice lady. Uh, as for the Don crowd Fuji, was cracking up with her. Like, oh, it like was she phenomenal. was. That, that, it was yeah. a, I'm so glad we had English commentary for this that could translate because it was a great angle. Yeah, but Don Fuji coming out in drag here. 
Yeah, then Don Fuji came out of the dress. And look, if he wrestles like Don Fuji, this is something I talked about on the show a month ago. I really want to see Don Fuji get involved with M3K. I think that's a really interesting angle given Fuji's relationship with Masaki Mochizuki. If it's just if, if it's Ishin Riki, Ishin Ihashi, and Don Fuji, great. I think that match is going to kick ass. If I have to deal with gimmick Don Fuji, I am going to hate it, and I'm going to complain about it at length on this show. I just think that it's something that they they pop the crowd, and that's it, and that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, it, it, it's something that's just a nice challenge match, and again, we'll get more into this next week. When you think about Kanda and Fuji were the opponents for the Hashi brothers in their debut match last year at Dangerous Gate. Like It, it comes full circle. I like that. That's a great point. That was a, that was a great debut match. I was just reading my review, and I, I very rarely enjoy my writing after the fact, but I was reading my review of that show last night, uh, reading up on the Ahashi match specifically, and you know what? I, I said these these guys are going to be very good. Get in now or, or suffer the consequences of being late, and I, I would like to think I've been right on the money that, that Ishin Ihashi has actually been better than expected, and I thought Ricky was on the same pathway before he retired, which is such a bummer. Well, speaking of rookies, Case, uh, Kaito Nagano has been all over the shows. We got the first match of him with English commentary on Thursday as he faced BB Hulk and got completely creamed. But we got to see a good bit of Nagano between this and Osaka. Of course, a lot more in Osaka because he wasn't creamed by BB Hulk here. Uh, well, well, let's do a tip check of Kaito Nagano as he's finishing his first big loop going into the pay-per-view. His first big show's coming up and he's assigned to a match. I'm going to sneeze, so give me your thoughts real fast. Yeah, so I I think that it's something that there's going to be a... His size, like Hayakawa slash Minorita, is going to be something... Obviously, Minorita has otherworldly charisma in the found and lucked into a gimmick that has let people get over that. With, with Nagano, I don't think you're going to do that two things. So quick, back-to-back. Back. I mean, he's the dropkick kid. I mean, that's kind of what his character is. He does... Like, 10 drop kicks in a row does not slow down whatsoever. Each 10 look excellent, and then he gets killed. He gets creamed, and he's great at it. And it's something that I'll be interested to see how things progress with him. But it, it, it's something that, I mean, he's playing his role well, and I think that there is a place for him. But it will be interesting to see what he makes of it coming out of his first like full loop around the country. Yeah, I think the Hulk match is worth watching. He is a very interesting kid in the sense that I don't I don't know what to do with him. Now, granted, he's been on the roster less than a month. I don't have to figure out long-term plans for him at this point. But it is so interesting to watch a guy that is really small, even on a small roster, who makes his living throwing drop kicks at this point and taking an absolute beating. And he has taken an absolute beating, and I think he's done it very well. I've been entertained every time I've seen him. Notably, the Kai match, which was his debut, which I thought was excellent, and then the Ben K match on the house show the following day. Uh, the, the Hulk match is in that same boat, where I just really liked the way that he approached the ring, that he was fearless, and that you know eventually he just got absolutely killed. And I think that's going to do him well. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's going to be fun to see him progress, because we just can't figure it out at this point. It, it's not like Ben K, where you look at it and you're like, oh yeah, no, we see where it's going for him. Or like Shun Skywalker, when things turned on, you're like, okay, this is this is this is a player we just can't tell this far. And with uh, with Kaito Nagano, it is also worth noting at this time this was announced uh, earlier today. So, but this happened yesterday on the eighth. Uh, Dragon Gate Future Class of 2022 member Takuma Nishikawa officially made his in-ring debut 
on the 8th in Mexico City against Ricky Marvin. They have posted photos of this. This was the guy that was easily the largest student they've had like since Binke. And it's very interesting seeing a photo right next to him with Ricky Marvin because Ricky Marvin is not that tall. And uh, Takuma Nishikawa kind of towers over him. Yeah, he towers over Ricky Marvin. I should also note, and this this just speaks to Ricky Marvin, who is obviously a guy who spent some time in Torimon in, in 2000 and 2001. He was KZ's debut opponent, and now a new generation of Drangate also debuts against guy uh, against this guy. That is that is pretty impressive for Ricky Marvin. Yeah, I thought that that was kind of a cool thing to have there. Uh, other big topics from this weekend. Uh, I don't know why it's taken this long for me to get into it. Uh, the main event scene has crystallized. They've used a lot over the two shows, especially in Cork and building up. Ata taking on Yuki Yoshioka with at Dangerous Gate for the Open the Dream Gate title and defeating him cleanly with the El Numero Uno, making him submit cutting a promo afterwards saying i just got you to quit how are you champion if you're quitting and it, it and then yoshioka after he regained consciousness basically started growling and shouting that he, he would beat him and that he would sell out all the buildings because that's what he sees for dragon gate so what how do you feel about this dream gate picture and all the stuff they've done a lead up i know you don't like road two matches but how are you well, feeling about this it's not that i don't like road two matches i just I think we've been in the situation lately in Dragon Gate where the road two matches have been bad. This match, and I wrote this in my review over at VoicesOfWrestling.com, this match caused me physical pain because we were so close to getting the Ata that I have hoped and dreamed about for years at this point. An Ata that can beat you with technique instead of a steel chair. The closing stretch with Yuki Yoshioka I thought was so good. And I was already excited for this match, but I became... So much more excited seeing Ata dip back into the Fountain of Youth a little bit and pull out stuff from him that we would have seen in 2014, 2015, and 2016, eventually tapping out Yoshioka. God, I thought this was great. I am I am into Ata versus Yoshioka. I'm into Yoshioka as champion, and I'm into Yoshioka as champion going forward after beating Ata. I really thought their chemistry in this match was so strong. Yeah, and that's something that in the Outpost shows, like even in Osaka, their matchups have been really good. Like their face-offs in those matches have been really solid. I like the idea of submitting uh, Yoshioka. I like this here because you're because t- this happens less than two weeks out of the pay-per-view, happening in Tokyo, and he cuts this promo afterward just wanting to destroy this guy. That's how you sell tickets there. That's how you get people over to Otaku to go see this match. Like I thought that that everything about this match was expertly done for how they want to build up Yoshioka because now at, at at least as of today I think he's going to go in there he's going to definitively beat Ada and he's going to get a lot out of it and I think a lot of that came from this match they are putting Yoshioka in an extreme position to succeed and if he doesn't succeed it is going to be a giant issue now luckily for him after the doomsday that was the fallout of Ultimo Dragon's 35th anniversary in Kobe World, and some people going, why, oh, it's, you know, uh, the, the, the Dragon Gate I know is dead, and, and, and I'm not sold on this guy, this guy, or this guy. Well, all they've done is set, you know, granted COVID records, but records for attendance in these buildings. Uh, everything has been up 
from August and September, and I assume that will continue. So Yoshioka as champion has been a draw, and I think putting him against Ata, you're exactly right, having this go down in Tokyo when the pay-per-view is in Tokyo, this is all really strong stuff, and I think Yoshioka is wrestling like a guy who is a top dog. He is not the primary focus. You know, you still have... Mochizuki Jr. and Ishinihashi pulling a lot of focus. You have Zebrats as an overall presence pulling a lot of focus. You have the Kung Fu Masters, which please mark an asterisk next to their name. I want to make a point on Kung Fu before we go. I know we're running out of time here, uh, but there is just a lot to like with the way Yuki Yoshioka has positioned himself. And maybe this is gross of me because I'm not a wrestler. I normally don't like zooming in on matches to this close of a degree, but he goes up for the Frog Splash near the end of the match, Ata gets his knees up. Maybe it just hurt incredibly bad, and that's why he made the face that he did, but I will choose to to dive into the theater of it and dive into the suspension of disbelief and say the way Yoshioka sold Ata getting his knees up on that frog splash, I thought was absolutely marvelous. I mean, this was a top-notch performance from both guys. I am into this main event. Yeah, and we got to see all three of D-Courage in this match. We got to see, well, D-Courage and, and Kakuda. And you wrote about this in the review, but something that really like has crest, and we've talked about this, this was the best move possible for Madoka Kakuda. He just looks, he looks like a million bucks right now. He looks like the guy that came into Dead or Alive 2021 as like the, the youngest ever dream key holder. And he looks like he's, not, he's sure of himself. He looks confident. And he's good, and, and like the chemistry between the three of them has been excellent. It's just something that I think has been such an addition to it. And I think it's them learning mistakes from 2019, where you could not do a whole lot with Shun and Binkei just as those two. Well, you add in Kakuta here, and suddenly you get to have a a champions and challengers cork and main event with six guys, and they go out there and they have a four and a quarter star match. And now the two big title matches at the pay per view have been incredibly well built on that it's fine that there's no tv between now and the 19th because i feel like this was the note to go out on i said on this show one month ago play the tape i said after that august corkin show when kakuta became an assistant to d courage i said this is going to be the best opportunity of his career shun's going to america yamato's going to america sb kento's out of the picture la Estrella is gone takuma fujiwara is gone in drangate as a whole you've got a brand new unproven open the dreamgate champion you have it's not it's not a crisis mode by any means, or at least logical people weren't thinking of Drangate as being in crisis, but you have a lot of question marks in this promotion. You have a lot of things that people aren't sure how they're going to turn out, how things are going to play out. And Kakuta was given a guarantee of if he succeeds as this thir the third wheel in D-Courage, it is going to do him wonders, and that is exactly what he has done. He has crushed this opportunity. He has knocked every one of his matches out of the park. What did I say when he returned from injury in May? For the first few months he was there, I was like, Mike, I keep on forgetting that Kakuta is in matches that he's in. Like, there will be a six-man, and it'll be Problem Dragon and... Uh, you know, uh, Takashi Yoshida, and they will pull more focus than Kakuta does. Like, what has happened to this guy who wrestled for the Dreamgate belt in May of 2021? He had no confidence except for the occasional rare match where he would wrestle really aggressively and then it would come out. But ever since he has joined D-Courage as this, this unaffiliated assistant, oh my god, he's like a different human. And he's wrestling, again, not against Scrubs, not against Problem Dragon, not against Takashi Yoshida. He's wrestling with Yuki Yoshioka and Dragon Daya, and he looks every bit as important as they do. I am thrilled for the kid. 
I am delighted at his performance. This is the best case scenario. This is him making the most of this opportunity. And I, I am so happy with how he looks in D-Courage right now. It, it's just like night and day. Like like that August cork and before that, it was, as you were saying, just very frustrating to watch and just kind of just like, man, is it is this it? Like, did he like lose confidence with what happened there? And understandably so, like given his age and what happened. But I, I was a month or two away. Sorry to cut you off, but I was a month or two away from just going, I don't think it's going to happen. And the same way that at the start of this year, I really bought into Strong Machine J and I said, Mike, there he he is figuring it out. We are watching in real time a guy figure out what he is doing in this profession. I was in the same way that I was in on Strong Machine J, I was almost that out on Madoka Kakuta. I did not think he was going to be able to get himself back to the level that he was at or at least without another repackaging, without another delay, without another drastic change. But Madoka Kakuta, as a babyface, has commanded the room over the last month, and I think that is phenomenal. I am stoked for the kid. And there's, like, something that I like about him with Daya as a tag team. Like yeah. This, like, this Diaz team has been a lot of fun. It's been completely different, and it's something that he has, like, made himself like a just irreplaceable part of decourage at this point over a period of, of a month over a period of a month it's like oh yeah i want to see all three of these guys and i can't see them break up anytime soon and it's it's exciting and it's exactly what is needed from someone who really was looked like that he was uh treading water to be polite about that uh okay so those were the topics i had for this week where was there anything that i left out that you want to touch on before we got out of here real quick two things one uh, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about natural vibes, but my theory of vibes disbanding and Kung Fu Masters becoming a countrywide unit is looking more and more realistic as they gave Ho-Ho Loon his first win in Cork and Hall. And I think if you're going to do Kung Fu Masters around the country and not just this gimmick unit in Kobe, it's not that Ho-Ho has to matter. It's not that he has to be pushed. He does have to have some level of credibility. And him getting a win in Tokyo, I do not think was a mistake and I think we'll be seeing more of him wrestling on main cards and wrestling as the Kung Fu master elsewhere in the country. Any thoughts on that before I hit my final topic? Yeah, this ruled. Like, this was something that, like, Ho-Ho getting the win here and, like, Jay on commentary going, like, wait, that's that's Ho-Ho's first win. And just, like, j just like the way that him and Ginky were handling that, that was, like, one of those, like, heartwarming moments. And you're absolutely right. Like, he needs credibility. Like, that's the exact word about this because you look at Kung Fu Masters now with four. And you cannot have Jackie and Jason be the only two like people with any sort of purchase. Like it just does not work. This kind of unit, especially with Jackie and Jason being those two, like it has to have, you have to have backup. Shenlong three is not going to be that. It's very clear. That's not going to be like that. And uh, so Hoho needs to like start looking credible. And I think that's a path along the way. And I guess like the question I posed to you, like in this theory, this working theory that, uh, Shun has at least tipped this off case, so you're you're in good company there. Uh, who would you pick to like join them at this point? Like, assuming Natural Vibes goes away and Kung Fu Masters become a nationwide thing. Okay, I thought of this as you were talking about it, and this does not solve the problem of needing more credible wrestlers. If anything, it creates a speed bump. But could you see Kaito Nagano being a Kung Fu Master? Yeah, I could. 
I could. It doesn't. Yeah, like you're right. Like the person, like when you're proposing this, he said speed bump. I thought you were going to say Takashi Yoshida, and I was going to go <laughs> oh, hell no, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm I'm happy with what he's doing now. I, he doesn't need to do anything more. Takashi Yoshida, you take it easy, my man. Uh, get back on commentary, please. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, Nagano's the name that jumps out at me. Is there anybody for you that you you think would be a really good fit there? It, it's hard because it's a themed unit, and like. It's something that like you have to you have to hit that thing or else it's just not going to work, and that limits things. So Nagano, he's so young that you can just plug him in there. Fuda, I mean, he already has the kickboxer thing. I think that can kind of fit in pretty well. But again, credibility. I don't know who you add like at that point. Like that's the like that's the thing I was asking you because I other than Yoshida, that's a funny person put in the unit. I did not. I don't know how you expand past four with them other than like adding in rookies. What about Dragon Kid? That would be interesting. Jason, Jackie, Dragon Kid trios matches? Oh, I'm there for the matches. I'm just imagining Dragon Kid as a Kung Fu master, and that would be interesting. Obviously, you do the Big Boss Shimizu trial run. You do Kung Fu Master Shimizu. There's options out there. <laughs> I, I, Kagatora? I, I, Kagatora's out, out looking for new units again? God damn. Oh my god, we're gonna have to do an- we're gonna have to do another Kagatora's looking for a unit. He could join anybody. Who's it gonna be? Like he's Zion Williamson when really he's he's more <laughs> RJ Barrett. It's just like let's let's he's actually more Cam Reddish. Uh, uh that's a joke. That's, that's that that is a joke for John Hernandez and John Hernandez only, and even then I don't know if he's gonna get it. Uh yeah, I, I think there's guys out there. I really like the idea of Dragon Kid joining that unit. Yeah, like he actually might be the person now that you've introduced that because you're not gonna put Yamato in that kind of unit and uh that'd be awesome if if that's what Yamato pivots to post high end I will I will <laughs> go back and delete audio of everything bad I've ever said about Yamato I think that'd be so much fun but that is not happening yeah 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 uh a, a guy known for his grappling now is doing kung fu the ace doing that that would be <laughs> the, 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 that would be a great one-off thing you know Real quick, actually, okay, so I was going to mention, and I'll, I'll just throw this in here real quick. The ETU show, that New York-based indie, they are running yeah. Friday night tonight uh, as we're recording. They are going to be live on IWTV with that SB Kento versus La Estrella match. So we will talk about that next week, but that is on IWTV tonight, Friday night the 9th, uh, SB Kento versus La Estrella. Mike, we have to talk about before we go, this is my bad. I didn't have this in the run sheet just because I've been so busy today. We have to talk about this Dragon Gate Noah show real quick. Okay. Yeah, I uh, let me. Yeah, that was the perfect reaction. I, I, I mean, it, it, if we weren't actually going to talk about it, I would have ended the episode at me saying okay, and that was not it. No, we got to talk about it real fast because yeah. I've got a point to make. So, this show is going to take place from Cork and Hall on what is the date here? Do you have the date for the? It, it's on eleven eleven. So. It, let's go we'll, we'll spend more time talking about this in the future I, I do want to get this off my chest now i think the fact that they're doing this show with the yamato is insane when when the noah guy showed up in osaka which i i think i don't know let me justify it by saying i think for some people this is a really big deal but as people that look at this show through a dragon gate lens it is largely a who cares when they showed up in Osaka, I was actually kind of into it. I was like, oh, this is great. They'll do this show when Shun and Yamato are out of the country, and this will be a show that will do a nice little number, and then Yamato and Shun will come back, and it'll be business as usual. 
Instead, they are building this show around Yamato versus Seki Yoshioka. And quite frankly, I just think Yamato is above this. I think it's a really bad look that he is on this show. Yeah, I... He's a five-time Dreamgate champion. I know it's a promotion full of juniors. The entire roster, other than Takashi Yoshida, are juniors. But Yamato, for all intents and purposes, is presented as the closest thing Drangate has to a heavyweight. Some people could say, oh, well, what about Best of the Super Juniors? Well, I would be annoyed if Yamato was in the 2023 Best of the Super Juniors as well. I think that would be beneath him. Yeah, it's just like... I think that for one, let me look at how Noah is doing in Cork, and I don't think it's great. Uh, it, it's just something that when like I take my take a step back and look at a case, like Yamato, absolutely, like him doing this match, like that's basically saying we think we need Yamato to sell tickets. If you ask me, like, like that's what that screams to me. <laughs> yeah, which I I, I I would think the overall concept of this show, you could at least merge some fan bases there because as we've heard, you know. The Noah fan base and the Dragon Gate fan base have nothing in common. They might both like Ata, but it's largely two separate crowds of people that are into Ata or into Masaki Mochizuki. And I think you could get them in the building for this show. But my tone on this is now more of annoyance than anything because I right. think this would be, this, this would be the perfect thing to do when you have stars, and I, I mean stars in Yamato and Skywalker out of the country. The fact that they're waiting for Yamato to get back, I, I don't know. I think that's a bad look for Dragate. I think he is so far above this sort of thing. I don't I don't like the fact that he's wrestling Seki Yoshioka. If he was wrestling like Katsuhiko Nakajima or if they were finally going to do that Yamato versus Kano singles match, all right, I'm rubbing my hands together. I'm into this. I'm the Birdman gif all of a sudden. <laughs> but the fact that he is wrestling Seki Yoshioka, I, I am super bummed they allowed this to happen. Yeah, so when I say like this is a way for Noah to sell tickets, just looking most recent numbers here and... You, you can make your determination from there. Uh, they did not go clap okay for the G1 victory or the N1 victory before I say this. Just want to make sure. I am 99% sure that was a clap crowd. Yeah, so Corkin for Dragon Gate did 1096 on Thursday, uh, three weeks ago uh, during the G1, uh, or sorry, the N1 victory day six. They did 609 for Noah. And then the day before that, that, that was the finals of the N1? I thought the finals were at Budokan. Okay, what 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 headline that Corkin show? Uh, headlining that ter- that Corkin show, Masato Tanaka defeating Kazu uh, Kazuyuki Fujita. That's a shitty main event. That deserves six hundred fans. I mean, you're not going to hear me say anything contrary to that. <laughs> well, Mike, they're actually the second biggest promotion in Japan. I don't know if you've heard or not, but because they put a sprinkle of people in Budokan Hall, they're actually far bigger than Dragon Gate is. Their business is doing far better. Actually, it was uh, Edeon Arena Osaka, and it was 2,988 there for it. Still not a great number. And what was the finals? I'm sorry, in one spoilers ahead, you know, skip ahead 15 seconds. But what was the finals for that? <laughs> oh, it was Kiyomiya defeating Hideki in 33 minutes. Okay. All right, After well, yeah. the great Muda was in a 22-minute match. Oh, my God. Oh, I I, I'd rather watch Billy Stark's head hit the post. Yeah, at least that way it's only 22 minutes and you get 22 minutes and five seconds back, you know? Like she was whimpering and her father said, let her wrestle. <sighs> yeah, I, I I, didn't really, until you brought it up, think about Yamato doing this. But it is just, 
dire. I, I don't like, like, I'm glad that the show happens for like people like Fuda, Mochizuki Jr., you know, get more ring time like that. I'm never going to say, don't go work there. That's not when you're at that place, your career, they need the ring time. But well, yeah, that, that six man is cool. It, it's Rio Fuda, Madoka Kakuta, and Masaki uh, Jr., or sorry, Mochizuki Jr., against Yano Fujimura and Inamura from Noah. That's a, that's a cool six man. I have no issue with that. It's the the headline stuff is gonna really bother me. Uh, my, I, I hope to God like Ben doesn't end up on this show. Like I don't even think Shun or Diamante should be on this show. I really think it's a bad look for Yamada to be here. I, I'm very annoyed by that, and I don't think that opinion is gonna change anytime soon. Yeah, no, I I totally get, I you're getting me annoyed about that. Like 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 it, the like I I'm now totally thinking like what what is he doing facing this bum, you know. Like, and, and I like Saki Yoshioka, but still. What, what, okay, so let me, so this show is 11-11, and if I look ahead on the Drangate schedule, they are running Cork at Hall two days before. They're running Wednesday the 9th in Cork, and I, that, well, Drangate, that Drangate show has to, the Drangate solo Cork and will outdraw this joint show, correct? Easily so. Easily so. And on top of that, I think that the fact that they have this beforehand is a good thing for Dragon Gate. I'm fascinated you know? by this. I think that I think that Dragon Gate show is going to outdraw the joint show. And Easily. it should. I, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. Uh, now I'm kind of in a bummer right now. Yeah. Well, this is this is where we got to go. We're out of time and I'm going to leave you <laughs> feeling depressed for the rest of your night. <laughs> all right. Well, that's going to do it. Thank you all for uh bearing with us this week we've just both uh i've been dealing with a dog going violent out of both ends case has been busy it's just been crazy for us but we'll be back next tuesday well i'm gonna watch this etu match oh live, yeah no that, but... that's that's on the run sheet i am excited to watch sb yeah. versus la Australia in an indie and i will i will check in I, I i saw photos of it in real time i was absolutely delighted to see sb kento and takuma fujiwara and AAA. I have not seen that footage yet but that will change by the next time we talk yeah, I, I think that's what we should do next week. Other than uh, uh, Dangerous Gate preview, let, let let let's let's check in on the kids as they're on their study abroad trips. Let's do it. All right, guys, we'll be back with you next Tuesday talking about Dangerous Gate and to see how our Dragon Gate kids are doing abroad. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. I am at Fujiheya. Cases at underscore in your case. Thanks for listening. To Open the Voice Gate. We'll be back with you on Tuesday previewing Dangerous Gate and checking in on the excursions. Take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.